Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Those of you that are impacted uh, by the message here at the church, you're emailing and saying, I would like to connect with Truth Revealed. Uh, you're connecting with us on assimilation. I think it's assimilation at uh, Gmail. Uh, we're changing that over, though. We're changing it over. Uh, it's going to be something like connect at truthrevealed.org. But right now, assimilation at Gmail. Until I get further word, we're going to continue to use that. Uh, but we want you to connect with our church. We want you to be a part of what we're doing. Again, if you're on Facebook Live, please like and share and tag about three friends and let them know that they can connect with a word, a live word, a thriving word. I, that I believe this word uh, is for the body of Christ. It, it is to warn us, to guard us, help us to guard ourselves from certain viruses. Amen. With that, I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to be talking from the Contagion series, uh, a message about the spirit of Absalom. The spirit of Absalom. And uh, I think it's important for you to uh, take notes on this and please absorb the word. If you're here, if you're watching, I want you to become active on the feed and uh, not just say amen, but uh, you need to write down. You can take notes right there. Write down what you're hearing, how it's impacting your life so others can see it and they can read it. And they can impact their lives as well. I'm dealing with the spirit of Absalom. I want to read to you out of Matthew 6 and verse 15, 14 and 15. That is the gospel according to Matthew chapter 6 verses 14 and 15. And the word of the Lord reads like this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Your father will not forgive your sins. One of the things that happens with this Absalom spirit is through the broken glass of unforgiveness, through offense, this spirit invades a church, it invades a family. It invades the workplace and uh, it separates like minds and causes rebellion to rise. And it's happening even now. It's happening right now in churches all across America and around the world. People are betraying each other and this spirit is, has been released in the world and we need to make sure Absalom never gains ground in our organizations. So, Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray for that release that makes teaching easy. I thank you, God. Even through the midst of a pandemic and issues, you're still God. I pray now that you would use me for your glory. Help me to identify this, this spirit that lurks in the darkness, this virus, this contagious virus that rises up in the midst of churches. And I pray, God, that you would help us to identify Absalom and cast it out. 
I give you praise, Father, for letting us know that Absalom is not just male. Absalom can reveal itself in females as well. So thank you for the acute teaching and for the release that helps us to get the job done. <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen. It is my plan and my desire to teach tonight. I am a revelatory teacher and I teach with a lot of fire. But I think it's important for me to articulate clearly what Absalom is about and what I see coming upon the land during this pandemic. Uh, as it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. And there's a lot of division that's going on right now from Washington, D.C. to California, to Oakland, California. A lot of he say, she say, casting and disparaging statements, negative statements on each other. Uh, sticks and stones, my mom used to say, may break my bones, but words will never hurt you. Well, that's not completely true. Sticks and stones can break your bones and words can crush you. Every one of us, wherever you are in life, you are a product of the words that were spoken over you or the words you're speaking over yourself. So be very, very acute. Be very wise and sagacious not to allow. Be prudent about this. Don't allow everyone to have your ear. Make sure you guard your ear with all diligence. Guard your heart, the scripture says, with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Well, if you're going to guard your heart, you need to guard the gates of your heart. And the gate of your heart are your eyes, your mouth, and your ears. There are three gates that go directly to your heart. So if he says guard your heart with all diligence, he's saying watch what you say. You need to also be careful about what you're looking at. And you need to really monitor what you're listening to. And David said it like this in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor does he stand in the way of sinners. Nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of God. And in his law he does meditate day and night. And he will be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. His leaves will not wither and whatever he does, it will prosper. But you must watch where you are. Watch what you're saying. Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in counsel. That means he's not listening. He's not listening to ungodly counsel. Or standing in the way of sinners. He's watching what he's looking at and where he stands. Or sit in the seat of the scornful. He's not listening to or speaking scornful words. The church of Jesus Christ, church members are fragile. Church members are fragile right now. Our relationships are fragile with the church because of our lack of gathering. And we need to really take note and we need to make sure that we secure our faith in God. It is hard to shepherd a people that you can't see, yet God is requiring us to do things in the 21st century that no other group has ever been able to do. Moses did not lead his people uh, vicariously. 
Every person who came out of Egypt walked with Moses. He could look with him. Yet we are assigned. We are assigned to make sure that we lead people that we cannot see. Glory to God. So we must make sure that we are leading people by the spirit of God. I believe by faith that there are people, uh, tens, hundreds of people that are connecting with me right now. And you need this word from the Lord. Uh, but because we can't meet together, members are fragile. It will be like a husband and a wife that's separated because of TDY or because they haven't been able to come together or because the work or job carried one away or because one is sick when there is no connectivity, then we become fragile in our relations and we must secure them. We must fight. We must do what we need to do to make sure that we secure our relationships. So the church, uh, church members are fragile right now. And uh, also because of this fragileness, the brittleness, the brittle state of the members of the church welcomes the enemy uh, of, of, uh, of our souls to implode the move of God from the inside out. So the enemy uses the brittleness and the broken glass of our spiritual state to then enter in. He wants us to implode, to explode in, within, to implode from the inside out. The devil really can't stop the church from growing or any, any family from growing from the outside. But when he starts working with you on the inside, working with your thoughts or working with your attitude or working with the spirit of rebellion, and then it's hard then for anyone to corral you or to harness the strength that's in you or to help the church as a collective group to move in a certain direction as it relates to the kingdom of God. And so Absalom is a church destroying spirit that is fueled by several things. I say again, Absalom is a church destroying spirit and it is fueled by certain things number one is fueled by human wisdom people who like to talk around the tree but they don't read the bible they just like babble they like the babble about things they know always making statements but they're not biblically sound neither is the origin of what they say coming from any source it's just words that are being channeled words that are being channeled and before you say, Bishop, this can't be me, you need to understand that Peter, when he heard that Jesus was going to the cross, Peter says something really, really interesting. And it sounds from the outside that he was concerned about Jesus. He said, no, Lord, you can't go to the cross. You can't do that. In other words, I don't want to see any harm come to you. I don't want to see anybody beat you with a canonized tail. I don't want to see you hang on a cross. I don't want to see them pull your arms out of joint. I don't want to see them beat you until blood comes out of every area of your life. I don't want to see them pluck your beard out, whole segments of your hair out. I don't want them to mangle you until you can't even be recognized. No, Lord, that sounds like, wow, a person that really cares to make that statement. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Whoa. Get thee behind me, Satan, when I'm trying to help you. I don't want you to get hurt. 
Jesus said, the spirit that's behind what you're saying, what you're saying right now, didn't come from God. For this is the reason I've come to the world, that I might destroy the works of the devil, glory to God. And so the enemy can't be destroyed until that body would bleed. And though Peter is moving in his flesh, he's being channeled. The, the, the spirit of Absalom, the spirit of Lucifer himself, the spirit of the demonic spirits are channeling through him to get him to act like he wants to stop Jesus from going to the cross. But in actuality, you're trying to stop the move of God. What he should be saying is, Father, thy will be done on earth. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And many of us, if we're dealing with human wisdom, it may seem okay when we say what we say or even speak the words we speak. But there is an origin of the words that we're speaking. There's something that's working in us. Everything we say, though it may sound like it's an alignment, is not from God. Human wisdom is dangerous. It's fueled by a spirit, a destructive spirit that is entering into the church. It's called the spirit of Absalom. Watch human wisdom. If you're educated, that's one thing. But when you're dealing with spiritual matters, you need to feed yourself with spiritual food. If you want to grow intellectually, you grow intellectually with intellectual food. If you want to go mentally, you feed yourself with mental food. If you want to go physically, you need to feed yourself with physical food. But if you want to grow spiritually, you must feed yourself with spiritual morsels. Give us this day our daily bread. Glory to God. And the second thing that is fueling the spirit of Absalom, and you want to write this down, is grievance or complaint. Grievance or complaint. There's some people in the church that you can never satisfy. You can bless them and call them and encourage them today. But if it don't happen next week, they throw all of the stuff that happened away. Throw it away. Ten years. Just throw it away. Because you fail me right now. Grievance opens the door. It fuels the spirit of Absalom and gives it momentum in any house of God also complaints always complaining always complaining service is too uh, long service is too short I don't agree with this and I don't agree with that and there's a lot of disagreement but that's not even where we are you can disagree and still walk in agreement Two, uh, a spouse can disagree with the choice of a husband, but yet choose to walk in agreement. In other words, I'm not going to let it divide us. I'm not going to let it cause me to get an attitude. I'm not going to let it cause me to pull over where the children are. And the children and I develop a, an ad hoc committee to, to fight against the spouse and bring division in the home. So grievance, watch grievance and watch complaint. The third thing that fuels the spirit of Absalom is gossip. Bucket mouth kind of people. People who allow themselves to treat their mouth like a McDonald's garbage can. And next time somebody bring gossip to you, tell them, do you look like, do I look like I'm yellow and brown to you? Do I look like I'm a McDonald's, a McDonald's garbage can? You can't dump your stuff on me and I'm not going to pass it on. Because this is the problem. You start passing on gossip, believe me, 
people who gossip lies. And if you start telling gossip, you're going to also pass on lies. And the worm of that lie will continue to eat in the fabric and in the inner walls of the people who hear it. Even if it was, uh, even if it was forgiven, you have to go back to every person who heard the lie and try to correct that. And it's virtually impossible. That's why God says, I hate a lying tongue. And you can guard yourself from many lies if you won't gossip. Here's number four. It fuels the spirit of Absalom, a desire to prove what is right and use that information to force change. A desire to prove yourself is right and you use the information to prove yourself that's right, that you're right now. You use, you have a desire, a strong desire to prove that you are right. So you get into an argument and then you want to prove that you're right so much, you use the information to force change. Especially to make someone else change. Especially to make a wife submit to you. Don't you ever question me. Don't you ever say nothing. And you use your strength to make them get into a zone and they can't say nothing. Can't even force their opinion because you're the boss and when you say what you say they better submit to you and that is an Absalom spirit they even do this in the church use a strong desire to see change and then they force it on the listener to enforce that change or to cause that change to occur no matter what you gotta watch that desire to prove yourself wrong uh, I'm sorry to prove yourself right because when you prove yourself right, a lot of times you're proving yourself wrong. A desire to prove yourself right can be misused. This is what I say. Anytime there's a conflict, instead of saying who's right or who's wrong, you ask this question. Do you want reconciliation or do you want to be right? Do you want reconciliation or do you want to be right? What would Jesus go for? Jesus would go for reconciliation. And if you know anything about his character, that's what you should go for too. A desire to prove what is right and to use that information to force change in the church. Never force change anywhere unless you have authority to, for, to make the change. Any forced change slips into the realm of the demonic. Any manipulation slips into the realm of the demonic, and we can't have that. The Absalom strategy of the enemy is an intense strategy. It is also a brilliant scheme. When I mean, when I say about, uh, what, when I, what I mean by brilliant is, is that the enemy is intelligent. He's intelligent in his scheming. He's intelligent in his evil schemes. He's intelligent in his uh, manipulation. He's intelligent in the way he flows. And you need to know that. You're not to dumb me down when you're dealing with the devil. You need to have information when you're dealing with him. And you need to have God kind of information when you're dealing with him. And you need an acute teacher to show you some things about the Absalom spirit. So when it shows up, if it tries to rise up in you, you can say, devil, you're not going to use me to channel your madness in any church or in any organization. Certainly not in my family. You see, Absalom sat near the gate of the city and looked for people who would 
connect with him as they are disconnected with the kingdom. I want you to hear that now. Absalom would sit at the gate, that's a place of authority of the city, and look for people who were discontented, who were disconnecting, they were upset, they were full of that, they were full of some kind of stuff there, always got an offense, and he had a way of attracting those people. Everybody like that wanted to come to him. And a lot of times in church, when everybody wants to come to you with an offense, sometimes if you don't know who you are, you'll be like, wow, I must be important. You got to understand you're not a McDonald's garbage can. Some things need to be referred up. In other words, uh, why are you bringing that to me? You need to talk to the person who can change it. Actually, you got an attitude while you're bringing it. You need to quiet that down. Your attitude is off. We stomp out strife here, SOS. We stomp out strife. By the way, that used to be one of my favorite bands, the SOS bands. Sounds of success. But Absalom liked to sit near the gate or place of authority of the city and look for people who were discontented. Those people that were discontented, he just loved them to hang around. They had problems. He loved for those folk to hang around. He felt like he was doing good when he was helping them out. Those same people would have problems after Absalom died. If people are always sharing their problems with you, you may have a problem. Especially if you don't have the authority to fix it. He would sympathize with these people. He was, oh, wow, wow, it did, they did, they did, really, really, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> he would sympathize with these people and tell them they were a uh, leader, that, that, that if he was the leader, things would change. So I want you to read First uh, Samuel Please read 1 Samuel, chapter, 2 Samuel, chapter 15, verses 1 through 31. That's 2 Samuel, chapter 15, verses 1 through 31 in your leisure. And pick up this son of David called Absalom. Thank you, Lord. So in other words... The complaints are often uh, accurate. The complaints were often accurate and uh, when that, that were brought to him and they were factual. Yet the spirit that was behind him wasn't the spirit of truth. It was the spirit, spirit a demonic spirit of division and a spirit of offense. He wasn't a good boy, but he was a beautiful boy. He had gifts. He was beautiful, but he wasn't a good boy. So who is Absalom? If you're taking notes, he was the third son of David, King David. He had a sister by the name of Tamar, that's T-A-M-A-R, who had been sexually abused by her oldest brother. Her oldest brother came into her and raped her. His name was Amnon. Now here you got three in a family and some major issues are taking place. David is the father. He has a daughter by the name of Tamar. And he has a son. His third son is named Absalom. His oldest son is Amnon. 
Now, David loved his family, but he had a weakness. He had a major flaw, and that was he was a blemished father. He would not correct, he would not correct any of his children. He always could see what, Dave, what, what, what Goliath is doing, and he could see what the Philistines are doing, and I'll kill them all. But he could not detect the evil that was in his own seed. And he would not discipline them. Wrong thing to do for an Absalom. Absalom needed discipline. And because he didn't discipline him, David was the one to deal with Amnon because of his violation of his sister. David is the father. He is the, but, 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 but because he was weak in how he disciplined his son, Absalom felt like because this was his sister, his biological sister, they had the same mother, he wanted to make sure that Amnon paid and he eventually killed his oldest brother. Now this is in the family of the king. I don't know why anybody in church would say they don't believe in church folk when you read the scripture you'll see how the king had problems in his family and if he had problems in his family believe me we have problems in ours so Absalom killed his oldest brother David had him banished he should have disciplined, disciplined Absalom even the more and the bitterness in the boy continued to grow then he started turning his hatred on his father. Still not satisfied with him, not satisfied with his strategy. Didn't know that he would produce the greatest threat that David ever, ever had. Greater than any army, greater than any bear, greater than any lion, greater than any Goliath. David can handle the Goliath. He was able to, as a young lad, look at the giant and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because he's facing him. But Absalom represents that which is inside of the house. That which is close to you. That which you love the most. If you don't turn it over to the Lord, it can raise up its heels and fly at your throat. And that's what Absalom likes to do. Get into churches and migrate to the church, migrate to the center, and start turning people away from the purpose. Why are you preaching about that, Bishop? What's going on that Truth Reveal? Ain't nothing going on. I'm preaching the word. So when it happens, you will be able to detect it. And you need to be able to detect it in your own family and on your own job. There's some Absaloms all around you. The pretty boys. The long-haired boys, the nice-looking boys, look nicer than women. Stay in the mirror way too long. Women love those kind of boys. They never really grow up. All they know how to do is, is sex you up. I want to sex you up. They listen to that kind of music. They don't listen to the kind of responsible music. That don't turn them on. Or they fake it while they're in the house of God. All they want, I want to sex you up. That's what they think about Absalom, kind of smooth, laid back, with my mind on my money and my money on my mind, kind of natural kind of guys. But that spirit, once it gets in the house and flings in hair and gains some influence, it starts cutting the lifelines, snipping the lifelines of people connected with their purpose. Glory, hallelujah. Here's how the Absalom spirit really works. 
Glory to God. I told you he sat at the gate looking for people who were uh, disconnected, discontented, sympathizing with those kind of people, bringing them tissues. They're saying, but if I was in charge, I would do that different. Today, they've modernized that. They won't say, well, if I was in charge, they just listen and say, you know, I don't agree with the leadership. You don't have to agree. But if you ever become a part of a leadership group in the church, you have responsibility. And if you ever become a part of a leadership group in a law firm, you don't stand in the lobby of the law firm and debate about what you don't like. Let me make sure I make it clear. If you're in a law firm and you're not the senior attorney and you don't like a decision that the law firm made, you don't stand in the lobby of the law firm and begin to instruct and talk about what you don't like about the law firm. You either turn in a letter of resignation or you go outside. You can say whatever you want to say at home, but not in the lobby of the law firm. If you work with a group of doctors and you don't like what one doctor said, you don't take that to the patient. You take it to the patients, now we got a problem. If you work for L3 Harris and you're part of their leadership group, especially the upper level leadership group, you don't start dealing with those on the gate and talking about what you don't like about the CEO. You get in your Mercedes and you drive out that gate. And when you get home, you can say whatever you want to say within the confines of your own house. But if you start poisoning the guards, they're going to get your license and they're going to get your security clearance and get you out of there. Now, if we're that cool, uh, you can't do it for Trump either. If you're working with Trump, you can't talk about what you don't like. I don't like what you said. And you, Trump will have you removed. Now, if you've got enough sense to lock yourself up for Trump and all of you that support him and you lock yourself, why would you come in this house or any church and think you can say whatever you want to say within the confines, in the darkness, and lead people away from their leadership? If you can do it for President Trump and he says a lot of offensive things, you need to do it for your church. Well, I'll preach myself happy. Preach, Mr. Clark. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. He was sympathized with those who were at the gate. Essentially, he sowed disloyalty in the hearts and stole the hearts of the people. Sympathizers can steal hearts. Here's some tea while they're crying. Here's some tea for you. They did what? Oh, my God. Here, take that. Now, what did they do? Man, whew, wow, wow. You know, see, if I was in charge, I would have done it this way. That's what he was doing at the gate. His daddy is on the throne. He should have loyalty to his father. He never fought a Goliath. He never fought a Philistine. He never had a victim in his own personal life. All he had was beauty, elegance of speech, look good, long hair. They say his locks of hair weighed two and a half pounds. In other words, when they cut the boy's hair and he laid and weighed his, his hair, that's how, how heavy his locks were. His glory was thick. Just never been battle-proof. Getting his first war, he dies. It worked. His strategy worked. He had a perfect climate, a perfect storm. David didn't discipline him. 
He was allowed to go to the gate to be a part of the leadership. He had a faulty heart. He was able to murder his brother. Felt like he was justified in doing it. May even be right. But two wrongs don't make a right. Able to sit in the gate, gain some authority, listen to those sympathizer of those who are grieving. And he sold his loyalty in their heart and he went for his father's seat. Whenever Absalom shows up at the gate, he had 50 men with him. Now I want you to think about this man, this, this, this young man who's the son, the third son of the king. He's so nice looking and influential that anytime he came to the gate, 50 men would run before him. He had influence with the men and they would start talking about how wonderful he was. Now, if you did that on your job, they would get you out of there. You're the supervisor, but when you come to work, all of your employees, oh, we just love you. You're better than the man that's sitting. You're better than the CEO. You're smarter than him. You should be in his position. They'd be like, what kind of stuff? What are you, what are you doing? What kind, of, what kind of team are you leading over there? Next thing you know, you see two of the security guards coming to you. All right, no, don't worry about all your stuff. We're milling to you. Come right with us. Take you outside and uh, get you out quick. Dangerous to any organization. The number 50 in the Bible represents jubilee. A false sense of jubilee. You mean tell me people can be happy about the wrong stuff? They shouldn't be happy about disloyalty, but some of them are. Yeah, get them. I'm glad you told them. I'm glad you made him cry. Yeah, I was talking to the pastor. I went off on him. He you did what? I went off on him. He cried too. Yeah, good. He always going off on people. <laughs> Some people get off in that. 50 also represents economic deliverance after 50 years. Wow, celebrating. Wow, I'm with you. Man, I'm prospering. My, I just made some more money. Good. 50 also represents the time between Jesus' death and his resurrection. I mean, his resurrection and the day of Pentecost. 50 days. So, uh, Absalom's spirit can be within the realm of the 50th. In the realm of Jubilee, in the realm of deliverance finance. Delivering finances or deliverance and finances or a successful life and uh, have a sense of theology. This spirit, that kind of 50th, 50 men, 50th day, 50th year, 50 days from, from resurrection to Pentecost, that kind of representative can get close to the top of any church. In other words, they left their previous church, joined another church with those kind of gifts, can get at the gate real easy. And I'm speaking to pastors who are experiencing betrayal right now, people that you've endorsed and people that you love, you find out that they were never with you. They were trying to gain a few disciples and go down the street, put another name on the building and snatch away your people. I'm coming against it in the name of the Lord and I'm putting it out there and I'm, you're going to be able to look at it now and say, whoa, that's Absalom. <laughs> whoa, 
Absalom big up in here. That's right. Absalom can have great talent, but bitter. Great talent, but they marry the talent to bitterness. And they always feel, Absalom always feel more entitled to more than what he has. Y'all hear me? I deserve more. I de do you do more? No, not really, but I deserve more. You don't recognize my value. <laughs> really? Oh, we recognize your value. You need to sit that down. You need to lock that down. Watch the Absalom spirit. A lot of times the Absalom spirit is good at the gate. It's good in business and good in ministry. But also good in conspiracy. Always got a conspiracy, a prophetic conspiracy theme. Whispering in secret, planting seed of disloyalty in secret in the hearts of those who are discontented and saying, oh, if I were the leader. They have their eye on the position or more money or want to move people out of the way so they can thrive. Got to watch that. Absalom died because of this division. Guess what? He got hung up in a tree by his hair. He got hung up in a tree by his hair. He wouldn't cut his hair. He wanted to grow it long. It was thick. And the same thing that he loved the most, combing it every morning, in the mirror every morning, got him hung up. And that's why you don't have to run Absaloms down. They will always hang themselves. You don't have to hang them. That spirit will manifest and you'll be able to see it. My job is to make sure you see it, pastors and leaders and fathers and mothers, before it materializes. Before it's able to wipe your whole bank account clean. Write it down. Those who are not loyal to the movement are not a part of the next move. That's all it means. If they're not loyal to the movement, they're not a part of the next move or the next level. If you're in business and a person you're working with is not loyal to where you are, do not go to the next level with those people. You got to say, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out. So about two weeks, I need you to make a move. Absalom's spirit is intoxicated on the spirit of the wind of witchcraft. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 18, during his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley. <laughs> Look how bold this guy is. He built a monument to himself in the king's valley. He wasn't a king, but he had his eye on it. He decided to build a monument to himself. For he said in his heart, I have no son to carry on my name. So he named the, mo the monument after himself. Absalom's monument. 
Based on what victory? Based on what did you do? What did you really do? Other than you have the name of your father and the favor of your father and the beauty of his seed running in your veins. But he had his eye on his father's throne and known even now as the monument of Absalom or Absalom's monument to this day. Anybody that builds a monument to themselves is walking with that spirit. The Bible says you should allow another person to praise you. Never praise yourself. If you do good, believe me, the people around you will praise you. And you have to watch that. You have to be careful with that. Praise God now. But they will. They will tell you how much they appreciate you if you do a good job. You don't have to say, look at me, I did a good job. You don't remember? Be careful when you have a need to do that. Absalom may be hunting you down. There are eight signs that I want to give you uh, to let you know when you're under the influence of Absalom. How do you know if you're under the demonic influence of Absalom? Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 17. You can write it down. I just read a passage for you out of 2 Samuel 18 and 18. That's that uh, Absalom built a monument in the valley of the kings to himself. He reasoned within himself. It's, this is how arrogant he was. How bold he was. He wasn't trying to hide his stuff. And then I want you to look at another passage. If you don't see it right now, please read it in your leisure. It's out of Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 17. How can you know if you're under the demonic influence of Absalom? This is what the scripture said. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud. Frustrated. Discouraged. And angry. You got to watch those three things. You can't live under a cloud of bitterness. And you can't be frustrated all of your life. You can't be discouraged all of your life. And you can't walk around full of anger. All four of those gates or doors open you up for this spirit, this familiar spirit to attach itself to you and it will start speaking to you and tell you you're justified to be disloyal. Number one, here's one of the eight signs of that spirit working in you. Number one, gossip. I talked about gossip earlier, but you got to watch gossip. It is the easiest and the fastest indicator that the Absalom spirit is knocking on your door. It could be in your vestibule. Even the most seasoned believers or Christians uh, can fall victim to the spirit of gossip. At any time, you got to guard yourself. You got to ask God to watch your tongue. James chapter 1. James said the tongue is a world of iniquity. It even can set on the fires of hell. Got to watch that tongue. Especially when you are offended. You'll say things that you normally wouldn't say. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about on this. 
Have you ever heard anybody talking about you because they, they thought they hung up the phone, but they really didn't? They thought they clicked, bam, but you can hear them talking about you. If you haven't ever felt that or heard that, thank God. Because I guarantee you, if you hear it and hear some of the things that people say about you, it will be hard for you to hug them next Sunday. You certainly wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't sit there and judge me talking about he thinks he's all that. You walk in my moccasins for a day, <laughs> you, may, you may scream. Oh, take it back. <laughs> take it back. I'm tired. <laughs> I discovered that very few people really understand the power of gossip. How dangerous it is. If you did, especially if it was about you, that's when people get offended. But they do it all of the time. They do it like 80% of the time, 20%, 10% they hear about themselves, and it dictates how they flow. I just don't like people. <laughs> wow. Don't ever engage in gossip. Believe me, you'll reap what you sow. It'll happen... In churches, it'll happen in groups, it'll happen in business. Be care about the gossip corner. This is what you have to ask yourself. Is, is this conversation, if the authority that's over me heard it, would they approve of it? If it's a child, you have to be able to say, if mom and daddy heard me talking about them like this here, what would they say? And if you say within yourself they wouldn't like it, you should say, I'm going back up off that. If I can't tell it to them, then I'll deal with it in another way. In a church setting, you should ever be in a conversation with someone say, don't tell Bishop. Especially a leader that says, don't tell him about this conversation. That's dangerous to an organization. You must report up. You must speak. Especially if you hear gossip, you got to let it be known. That's why I don't go into covenant. When I was a subordinate leader in the church, and I was a part of the leadership group. People come to me. I would say, listen to me. Listen to me very careful. I, need to, I got to tell you something. I said, listen to me. I don't go in the covenant with rebellion. I was 25 years old. I said, I don't go in the covenant with rebellion. You got something to say in rebellion now. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to ching chain you. Huh? Yeah, I'm going to let him know. Because I'm a part of his organization. I don't need no mess in my life. So find somebody else to dump that on. Okay, now you want to fix it? I'll go with you so we can get it fixed. Bible says go to your brother if you have an alt against your brother. Go to them. So you can't come to me, you never go on to them, right? Okay. Guess what? I cut out 90% of people who want to bring stuff to me. And every time they do, they wear you down. Watch the gossip. Number two, watch the right versus the wrong syndrome. The right versus the wrong. Usually, usually, when people come to you, usually they may have, they may have some, some essentials there. They may be talking about a legitimate problem. But you got to watch Absalom because he will put everything in one or two categories. It's either good or evil. It's either good or evil. It's either right or it's wrong. And when you're leading people, you got to understand that there's a grace measure. There's a measure of forgiveness. 
But Absalom's spirit will only have you to focus on, is it right or wrong? Well, I don't agree with shutdowns, and I don't agree with masks. You're either right or you're wrong. You got to watch that Absalom. Because there is a love factor that says even though the meat was offered to idols and the Bible says though it was offered to idols, I can still eat it if I give thanks for it and ask God to bless it. But if it offends my brother, I'll refuse the meat because I'm bound now by the law of love to show love to my brother, though I'm free to do it anyway. And so, if it's going to show love to my brother, that should be the more perfect way. And wearing a mask shows love to your brothers. I'm not trying to get anybody to be in my way. If you don't want to go that way, that's fine. I'm not here to debate with you. But I want you to go and volunteer to some uh, group there where they're taking, uh, taking tests and they're working with coronavirus folk and use your faith there with no mask. Since you're that strong at it. And let's see how long you survive. By your faith. There's some things we need wisdom in it. Number three. So we talked about gossip. We talked about right versus wrong. Contagion. You got to watch this thing. Number three. You got to watch contrary vision. You know, I thank God for the vision of our church. But see, God's given me a vision. And my vision is we need, the church needs to be doing this. And the church needs to be doing that. You got to be careful now. Because you haven't really ran with the vision of your church. And you want to now branch off and start pro preaching propaganda about your vision while you're in someone else's house. Got to be careful about introducing two visions in one house. Your vision may be good. But you should wait on it. You should wait on it until the season comes for it. To try to be in a house and influence that house by introducing your vision for the house. When it may not be in step with the visionary of the house, you may be an operating under the Absalom spirit. Well, see, in my church, the church that I go to, see, Apostle so-and-so said this, and they were strong, and I agree with it. They said, we need to be walking on water. We need to be doing this, and we need, well, go and do it. But when you're in a church, you got to learn how to walk with the visionary. Number four, gathering others. People in the local church that ever had influence in the other it, uh, influence in the church usually this spirit would have them to take and pick off people that they know are disgruntled and you'll see them in restaurants together <laughs> they begin to gather others that feel the same way and usually what gets them to the restaurant is they compliment the people that they invite you're not like them See, you've always been different you have something special in your life you're not like Bishop he's mean I am stern. And your pastors, pastors, if you're listening, uh, your people say the same thing about you. You may be too passive. That's still not an excuse for Absalom to take root. You need people around you that can help you. And I thank God for the people around me that protect me, make sure I'm sound and firm. Thank you, Lord. Guess what? I'm reaping what I sowed. 
because I'm the best number one man at being number two. And when I was number two in the organization, I made sure the pastor was taken care of. And that's what you need to do. If you're ever going to be number one, you need to be number one at being number two. Number five, we talked about gathering others, gathering others, want to have meetings. I don't like to meet with y'all, but I'm going to have my own meetings. You got to watch that Absalom spirit. Number five, a stealing hearts syndrome. Stealing hearts. Absalom was good at stealing hearts. He never fought in a war himself, but was able to manipulate men to make them think that he should be king versus his daddy who was a man of war. This is amazing to me. And you'll be very, you'll be so surprised if you saw the spirit of this when it manifests. How it can influence people to turn away from that which is proven and start following fables. Are you seeking support from others' viewpoints? Are you seeking support, support for your own viewpoint? In other words, you, you, I want you, I want you to you know, listen to this tape of me. Listen to what I'm saying. What do you think about that? Do you think I'm on? I just want your opinion. But you're doing that to 100 people. Watch the gathering of others. I'm not saying it's always, but it's an indicator that Absalom may be working with you. Number five, stealing hearts. Watch that stealing hearts. Listening to complaints, always coming against the mainframe, always down in the church. <laughs> it's just not good. Number six, this is big, it's called disengaging. I'm really not going to go to the house. I don't feel it. Next thing you know, four months, five months, six months have passed without any connection. You got to watch that. If you ever run strong with a leader and all of a sudden lose, you start shrinking in your support. I just don't feel it. Maybe you've been snake bitten. You got to watch it. Disgruntled people always calling you. you Got to watch it. Number seven. Wolves in the midst of sheep. Now we're not talking about just people that eat up sheep. We're talking about wolves are cunning. And you can eat up sheep in a different way. Number one. A wolf likes to operate in the, under the veneer of darkness. Under the veneer of darkness. In other words, very stealth and secret. Where if you really are a part of a leadership group in ministry, you have to let everybody know everything about your business, but you got to be more transparent than most. That's one of the requirements of being authentic in a local church. You got to be open. Again, we're not talking about everybody knowing everything about you. But if you start operating where you're concealing most of your movements, you may be following or falling in the realm of this Absalom spirit or could be influenced by it. Wolves in the midst of sheep. Another assignment, you need to read Matthew chapter 18. 
And there are protocols in that. If one be gone, if a man had a hundred sheep and one be gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains to seek that one which is going astray? And in that, you'll find out that the heart of God is to go for the laws. Is to go for the laws, not to isolate and say, "If you're gone, you're just gone." But it is the desire to see people recover. Wolf don't want you to recover; it wants you to stay isolated. And Absalom doesn't want you to be a part of the group; he wants you to stay isolated. Resist him steadfastly. Beware of the wolf. There's another wolf, a wolfy mentality. Wolf. And that is, it's to have an offense and you conceal it from your authority. If you have an offense in your marriage, you should unveil it you should say it the bible says do not allow the sun to go down on your wrath why does it give you 24 hours to deal with an offense because it will mutate it will take root it will grow a root system it will turn into bitterness it will even produce fruit you have plowed wickedness you shall reap iniquity you have eaten the fruit of lies it will eventually display and manifest a fruit called lies That's why it gives you 24 hours to deal with it. You got to learn how to deal with it on a regular basis. Pray this prayer. Lord, forgive me of my trespasses. I forgive those that trespass against me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. When you start praying like that and releasing people, that spirit of Absalom cannot stay with you long. Here's number eight, division. We've been talking about unity, but the spirit of Absalom thrives when there's division. Have you considered aborting your assignment as of late? To give up on church? To give up on your local church? To give up on your commitment to God? To not go at all? Watch the spirit of Absalom. Division. A lot of churches in America are actually born out of rebellion. They're not born because God is really leading. A leader, a person got hurt, and because they're hurt, they say, I can do my own thing. And they don't know they carry seeds of that hurt in the new move. There are people who get divorced and they get hurt because they were hurt. And they don't heal from the hurt, just jump into another marriage. But you take the seed of what happened to you into the new marriage. You must spend time to denude. You must wait. You must denude yourself of rebellion. You must get rid of it. If you was an abuser of woman and you say to me, I'm God, forgive me. And you jump right into another relationship and you don't wait. And heal from that rebellion and that destructive activity. You will carry the same thing into the new relationship. You got to wait till the midnight hour. Your love will come tumbling down. The spirit of, of Absalom has channeled, even imported more underworld activity than you could ever believe. In other words, this spirit pipes directly from the pit of the enemy. It channels demonic influences into churches. And that's why we got to make sure that we watch this spirit. 
It could be kin to you. It can look like you. And you got to watch it. Thank you, Jesus. As I close, I want to pray a prayer to remove the roots of rebellion out of every heart and out of every soul. This kind of message is not going to make you shout. But I'm the kind of pastor that believes in sharing what the spirit tells me to share. And I don't really know why I'm doing this because I don't really have any strong conflicts in my life. But I heard him say, teach on the spirit of Absalom. And that's what I'm doing. If it's not with you, you will see it in a few days. And you need to be able to, oh, that's what that is. Wow, it could be on your job. It could be in your community. It could be in politics. It could be in your church. But you need to be able to recognize it. You need to be able to cast it down. Believe it's an attitude of prayer. I'm going to decrease some things over you, and I want you to receive it in Jesus' name. I speak didactically. I speak on behalf of the church. And I want you to come in agreement with what I'm saying is going to deliver us from the roots of rebellion. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I repent for all generational idolatry. I repent for all personal and generational rebellion, a spirit of stubbornness and disobedience that has contributed to witchcraft in my life and in my generational line I repent for all envy and jealousy of the mind I repent for physical my physical body experiencing envy if it's in my personality I cast it out in Jesus name so God, take envy and jealousy out of my mind, out of my physical body, and out of my personality. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I speak on behalf of the church, Lord. I repent for any worship of myself and any need of personal recognition. Absalom will not stay in my proximity anymore. I repent for my long hair, my own glory. I renounce it. I cast my crown down in the name of Jesus. I repent for allowing my own personal beauty to influence other people to be like-minded in rebellion and jealousy and envy. I repent for all envy and jealousy of the spiritual giftings and capacities of the people that are around me. Anytime somebody works in the gifts, Father, let me never, ever, never, ever look and covet the gifts that they have. But bless you as the giver of gifts because only you can endow people with favor. And the ability to function in the ministry gifts and in the nine gifts of the spirit and in the other gifts that are mentioned in Ephesians and in Romans chapter 12. I repent for myself 
and for those in my generation who did not guard the gates of their spirit and their physical senses. I repent for my forefathers being open to confusion and to manipulation. Help us to overcome in the name of Jesus. I repent for generational compromise in the name of Jesus. I repent for allowing jealousy to cause me to stand at a gate and to welcome those of lesser to come around me because I make them feel good about being dysfunctional and being content and being marginalized but also being average thank you Lord and because on behalf of your people I repent I thank you God that as your church repents that Absalom will have no rest in the house of God so we cast him out in Jesus name we cast him out of our churches we cast him out of our families we cast him out of our communities we cast him out of our politics we cast him out God of our municipalities And we thank you for allowing unity to abide, humility to thrive, connectedness in the name of the Lord, oneness of spirit. Help us to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you will hear. Let it be a sweet sound in your ear. Set the captives free in the name of Jesus. The burden is lifted. Hallelujah. The stone is rolled away and let the light shine. The greatest sanitizer is light. Let the light shine to kill the mold of Absalom who isolated the people of God. And I thank you that even during this pandemic, we will not be full of mold. We will not be a leprous church. We will not be a fragmented church. We will not be a limping leadership. We will thank you and give you praise for the buoyancy and the liberality that only the Spirit of God can bring. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God, I give you praise and glory for this message, for setting the captive free. Let even Absalom recognize his failures and repent and turn him in Jesus' name. Turn him around in Jesus' name. Amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, 
please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.